If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today on Horse Chats is Anthony Lucia. Anthony's a bit of a star as far as trick riding goes. He grew up around rodeos and with his father, went on to do some trick roping, competing in Western events, and now spends a lot of time, and his passion really is announcing at Western events. How are you today, Anthony? Oh, I'm doing so good. So good. It's a beautiful day in Texas and beautiful. Uh, glad to be on your podcast. Okay. Good to talk to you too, Anthony. Anthony, I don't know if you've heard any of the podcast, but we normally start off with a favorite quote and that sort of puts it in context and we can talk a bit about the quote and, you know, just your feelings on the horse industry in general and working with horses in general. So would you like to tell us about your favorite quote? My favorite quote would have to be hard work always works. Okay. And and that, that quote came from my dad, and, and that goes in anything, mm-hmm. any aspect of your life, that it's, if you put in the effort, if you put in the time, well, you're always, it's always going to work. Good work is always going to work, and it always works. And, and two, different, two different facets, and that is something my dad believed in, and he came off the streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota, a big city in the USA, and went on to become one of the most famous entertainers in professional rodeo and, and was an absolutely amazing animal trainer and that was his that was his belief and he passed it on to me and my brothers and when it comes down to it that's been my motto as well and whether it's horses or whether it's in uh, in my announcing or trick roping even mm-hmm. if you put in the time and the effort and you have a passion for it it's going to work out good good and i think your father was inducted into the hall of fame as well wasn't he Yes, ma'am, mm-hmm. National Cowboy mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, the Texas yep. Rodeo Hall of Fame, and the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame. <laughs> good, good. Now, when you started off growing up there with your father, have you got an early memory that you'd like to tell us about? You know, just something that stood out in your mind and may reflect on your favorite quote, may not, but just some sort of a memory there that you look back and think, right, well, that, that changed my life or that built my character. I think I would I would have to if I had to narrow it down. There's so many amazing memories I had with my dad when we traveled mm. all over the country. But when I was nine years old or about eight years old, I started trick roping, and I, I just loved ropes. I just I don't know why, but I just always had I wanted a rope in my hand. I never really, you know, I never had like an actual rope when I was a little kid, like a lasso, as you guys would call it, or yep. something along those lines. And then. So I started making ropes out of dog leashes or lunge lines or or twine on the ground from a piece of hay. And so, and then we were in California one year and, and I started, one of our friends actually gave me a rope and, uh, and, and from there I started trick roping, playing with it. And and I just started, I was able to make different things come to, come to fruition. And was one of those things where for about a year I was able to refine my skills and, and get better with a trick rope, but there came a point where I was just good enough to show off with a trick rope, you know, to to make the little girls smile at me or the other little kids think it was really cool. And yep. and my dad, he, he told me something one day. He said, 
there's a lot of people that can do what you do, but not a lot of people that can be great. And if you want to be great, then you're going to have to put the work in. Yeah. And I was about probably nine or ten years old when he told me that. And, and, it, and it changed my life because what it made me realize is I don't want to go through life being mediocre. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do things halfway. Yep. And basically, if I want to do something, I'm going to get everything I've got. And then whether I succeed or whether I fail, at least I know that I gave everything I got. And so when I was probably 10 years old, I started trick roping. Yep. Practicing every day and three or four hours a day and imagining, you know, thousands of people watching me and imagining, you know, my, my presentation in front of the people and, and it was, I, I would say that that's the, that would be a defining moment in my life because mm-hmm. I've carried that on to everything that I've done. Yep. And yep. my dad, my dad passed away a couple of years ago and he really instilled that inside of me that anything you do, whether it's cleaning out water troughs, whether it's performing in finals rodeo in Las Vegas, or performing at a, at a hometown rodeo or a smaller type rodeo, give it everything you've got. Yep. Yeah, because that's what the that's what God feel like that God wants us to do is to not live mediocre, average lives. And mm-hmm. whether you mm-hmm. work at a fast food restaurant or you work at the post office, do it, give it your all, and be your best at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that has been the most important lesson in my life, and everything that I've done, and everything I've wanted to be successful in, to give it absolutely everything I have, and yeah. make sure if even if I end up being the best, at least. Give it all, give it your all to try to be the best. And they're great words, Anthony, not just for, you know, as you say, within the horse industry, within anything, to just do the best oh, and give it all you can do. Yeah. Absolutely. I see too many people with so much ability, and even they don't even realize how much ability they have or mm. what they're capable of. And they, they kind of just get through life. And if people fully realized what they were capable of and what they could accomplish, with with blood, with, with tears, with passion, with the desire to be best. Oh my gosh, there's so many more people would lose their fruits lives. And and it's not because I don't have any special talent. I don't have any, you know, God, you know, God blessed him with this, that, or the other. Well, I'm, I'm a normal guy who has turned my love into a, a life. Yep. yep. Turned the things that I, that I love and enjoy into a, a lifestyle. Okay. Now, Anthony, to do with a career with horses, you obviously had always planned to do something with horses. I mean, you talked about the ropes and how you started off with the ropes, but to horses in general, you know, you're always going to do something within the industry, within Western, within the Western events. Yeah, I didn't know what direction I was going to go with horses. Mm-hmm. When I was 15 or 16 years old, of course, we traveled a lot, so we didn't really have the opportunity to have a bunch of horses to leave at home because then when you're gone all the time traveling all over the country with my dad, we didn't really have an opportunity to have at home. Gotta obviously someone's gonna take care of them and make sure cared for and and this out of the other. But when I was fifteen or sixteen I really I don't want to say I put the pressure on my dad, but I said I really want a horse. And I'd had a, a, a like a half horse pony when I was eight or nine years old, and his name was Pepper, and he was a real frisky one. His favorite thing to do was to run off and then buck me off. <laughs> and 
and and I learned a lot from Pepper, and I, but I don't like ponies. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, he's just he was feisty. He actually ended up being my horse, and as I got a little bit older and kind of outgrew him, we sold him to a another family, and, and he went on to live out his days. But well, there was a, probably about a six six or seven year period where I didn't have my own horse, okay. and when I was fifteen or sixteen years old, I, I kind of taught, I was craving, and my dad said, "Well, if you're going to learn." Then you're gonna learn what I think you should learn, and we're not just gonna buy you, you know, an old gentle horse. We're gonna buy you bolts to start, and for you to train up and and you know learn that way. You both learn together. Yep. Of course, whenever my dad said that, I assumed that he was gonna buy me the horse. Well, he talked another valuable lesson there that he wasn't gonna buy me a horse, <laughs> that I was gonna work hard, save my money, and uh-huh. then my own horse when I got enough money saved up. Yep. And uh, so I finally got enough money saved up and went to a sale barn here in, in Weatherford. And, and this four-year-old, big, he was a bay paint. His name was Mr. Bean. And I'll never forget him because he bought more than any horse that I'd ever owned. Uh-huh. And we bought him. And of course, he was barely started. And they rode him around a little bit. He looked like a nice horse. Well, when we got him home, we found out that apparently he had had some, some uh, home fluid put into his body because he was nothing like the horse that we saw. Oh, really? Okay. And, and I think dad might have known that because <laughs> the first time Mr. Bean bucked me off, my dad didn't seem that surprised. <laughs> and uh, we went on, I went on to, uh, he was my first horse that I ever trained. And I, of course, I, I wasn't ever satisfied with just training to be good ranch horses or good cowboy horses where they could have, they had a nice handle on and spin and stop and swap leads and all that kind of stuff and so dad trained horses to be trick horses where they would do massage movements and and bow and all these different things and march and and i trained mr bean to to bow and to lay down and do two different kinds of bow and i actually sold that horse and made a a very good profit on probably a year after probably a year two years after after i bought him Mm -hmm. and uh it was such an accomplishment to see that horse go on and do amazing things in the rodeo world and they they team roped on him. In fact, he was they used him at the national finals as a pickup horse, a pickup man horse, and uh, quite a quite a good feeling. So then took that money and reinvested it in more colts. And uh, at that point, I got to where I, the wilder they were, the better I liked them because they didn't they didn't come with any uh, preconceived notions of humans. They were just sure. wild. And so I started buying wild horses that you know long yearlings that had never been touched and. You'd put them in the trailer and bring them home and put them around the pen and spend time with them. Yep. And and that's I learned so many valuable lessons mm-hmm. with with time spent with any animal, whether it's a pet or whether it's a a horse. The more time you spend with them, the better your relationship with them, and the more love that you show them, and the more consistency that you show, the better they're going to be and they're going to reach their full potential. I think the same goes with humans. Mm-hmm. When you show mm-hmm. that care to a human, when you show that love to a human. It helps them realize their their full potential, and I think animals the same way. Animals are the one of the greatest blessings that God has ever given us. And the more love that you show them, the more kind, and the more consistency, a firm hand when they need them, a loving touch when they don't. That's that's when they can reach their full potential. And uh, through the years, and and uh, you know, started a bunch of colts and would train them and get them to do some amazing things and. And uh, when I was 21 years old, I got tired of riding colts, and I wanted to compete. And, of course, I wanted to find the love of a rope and my love of horses into one, and so I started team roping when I was 21. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and it's been a one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done is being able to compete and of course earn my professional here in the U.S. and success and and uh, that just horses are are the, are the lifeblood yeah. of our industry and and when it comes down to it, horses are the lifeblood of, of my life. What do you think is the best thing? You know, you said about horses, being in the horse industry, working in the horse industry is the horses. Is there anything else or it's just all about the horses? I wonder what's the best thing about being horses in your life or the best things about the horse industry? Within the industry itself. I would say the, the, the horse industry, in my opinion, has one of the best groups of, of people involved, mm-hmm. whether it's the people producing events or whether it's people competing in events or whether it's fans, because we all have a shared appreciation and a shared love of our four-legged equine partners. And and I would say that's probably the most, if I had to pinpoint one thing, I would say that's the most filling thing about being in the horse industry. And that's why announcing has become great passion because I get to convey that love and appreciation of animals and of horses and the competitors and the sponsors and the fans and anybody and everyone involved, I get to convey that to our audiences yep. and preach their knowledge about our sport and about the, the people and the animals within it. Mm-hmm. How did you start announcing? When was the first time you announcing? Did you push yourself to offer your services to someone or how did that come about? It kind of happened by default. So my dad, he had a monkey that rode a dog whiplash. And then, of course, he had his forming horses in his glory. And, and I trick wrote it. So what, what my dad realized is that we actually had, we had the making of our own show mm-hmm. and of our own, you know, own little show. And so what happened was, is when I was probably 18 years old, we started doing our own show, whether it be at fairs or major rodeos, different things like that. And what happened was, my dad goes, well, you're going to be the announcer. You're going to mm-hmm. girl and you're going to introduce, you know, the dog and monkey, and you're going to help me do my horse act and things like that. And that's kind of how I got my start announcing. And at first, I was real reluctant to do it, and uh, real reluctant to do it. And but then I kind of found that I had a knack for it. Yep. And yep. I started to enjoy it. And of course, my dad always told me that I talked too much, <laughs> and so it was one of those things where. I realized that I could actually be good talking too much and, and say a lot whenever I talk too much and get paid for it eventually. Yep. And so uh, I always always say I get paid for something my dad used to whip me for, mm-hmm. and, and that's mm-hmm. talking too much. And that's mm-hmm. one of the <laughs> things that I love about announcing and, and that whole, you know, opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from there, I got hired to host some fan zones they had some different uh, events and so I learned kind of how to present things and, and talk about sponsors in just a conversational way so it didn't seem personalized and, and uh, yeah it just evolved from there and then in 2010 I started working some junior rodeos and announcing open competitions and and things like that and it's just grown from there okay good good what do you think then has been your biggest challenge? You know, thinking about someone else that would like to get into the industry and start to do some announcing and whether they do it within the Western or within the English or within their particular niche within the horse industry, what do you think's going to for them? You know, what's been your biggest challenge? So how could you fix that and make it a bit easier for someone else? I would, I mean, it goes to my first, my first thought and my first favorite 
that hard work always works. Okay. The big challenge for people, especially in announcing, is they don't want to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, we have to educate ourselves, not only the history of our sport, whatever facet that we're announcing, but we have to put ourselves on the competitors, the animals. We have to connect to an audience. We have to be able to present the sport that we love in a way that's entertaining mm-hmm. and will convey our passion for what's happening in the arena. And when it comes to a challenge, the greatest challenge is going to be ourselves yeah. because we're the ones that's going to put limit on our abilities. We're going to put limits on what we think we do. But when it comes down to it, if you have the heart, if you have the try, if you have the determination and you want to learn and have a spirit of, of a spirit of learning and an open heart and an open mind and open ears, I don't think there, there shouldn't be any challenges. In any business, there's going to be challenges, growing pains. Where sometimes say things, I've, I know I've said plenty of things. Uh, <laughs> I've said plenty of things that, that I wish I could take back. If you learn from them, you better, you move on and yep. and yep. Uh, yep. just try to just try to continue to get better each and every time. And, and like I said, only limitations are the ones you put on yourself. Okay. All right. Now, thinking about what you've done so far within the horse industry, what do you think's been your proudest moment? Uh, my proudest moment with the competitor probably be um, I, there's a big team roping that actually stopped happening last year called the, the George Strait Team Roping Classic. Yep. Um, it's a very large team roping competition in San Antonio, Texas. And I get about 650 to 700 of the very best teams in the world. And I had gotten a horse. His name was Hurricane. His name is Hurricane. He still lives. He still lives at my house. But I'd gotten a horse in 2000. I would say, oh my goodness, well, I don't even remember what year it was. But when <laughs> I got him, he was a trouble horse. Mm-hmm. He was a great team roping horse. Had the potential to be a great team roping horse. He'd been abused, and he had been he had been just put too hard, and his mind was a bit fried, and he would get fractious in the box. He would try to run by the steers. He would rear up and do all these crazy things. You couldn't put any protective boots on his legs because he had been abused so much that he was fearful. Mm. Well, so what happened? I spent time with him. I loved on him. He's looking at me right now, actually. Mm-hmm. He knows I'm talking about him. But uh, I spent so much time with him, and we created a, a true bond. And when I rode him, the first year I went to the North Strait, and we ended up finishing eighth. Out of the out of seventeen, one, okay. yep. and that would have to be the proud moment. Not because of what I did, but because I was so proud of him, okay. because of what he had overcome and and how he had just risen to his full potential. And and really, he uh, just I was so proud of him. Mm. And and that would have to be one of the proudest moments okay. in my my horse experiences, seeing him fully rise to his potential and. Yeah. And that, yeah. And then I was there multiple times, and we've, we've won a lot of rodeos together and placed in a lot of really big rodeos. And so that, that's been, I would say, seeing my animals do good and seeing them reach their potential, that's, that's pretty special for a horseman. Good, good. Tell me now what you're looking forward to. You know, sometime the next 12 months, two years, five years, what are you looking forward to? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm looking forward to every single day that mm-hmm. I have and the ability to be around my animals, the ability to go to events and be a part of events and 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 just the 
I'm I'm so fortunate and so so thankful for what God has done in my life. And I actually got engaged about two months ago, and, oh, and I'm congratulations. looking forward to getting married. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And uh, but I'm excited every day, every day. If we if we only focus on, you know, the big things in our life, then then when those if they don't turn out quite the way that we want them to, well, it's it's deflating and it's disappointing. But if we live every day for every day, yep. and every day we wake up with a smile on our face and a and a spirit and a heart of thankfulness, mm-hmm. then every day can be the best of our lives. Okay. And I know it sounds cheesy, but that's that's truly truly how I feel. Yep. All right. Anthony, just for people that read, do you read much? Have you got in your busy life, do you read much? Have you got a book that I'm you recommend? Texas, I don't really know how to read. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I read the Bible a lot. That's uh-huh. my that's my favorite book is, is the Bible and, of course, my daily devotional. Um, when it comes to, I really like the Team Roping Journal. It's a magazine, obviously, about team roping, and they've got a bunch of really great articles about the hair and and troubleshooting different horses if your horse is having an issue here or there. I really enjoy that, but um, I don't probably read as much as I, I should. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoy reading my Bible, and, okay. and that is where my that's where my heart is, is the Word of God. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Now, just thinking about horses, horses in general, and you've said a lot about your philosophy, you know, about the work and obviously your appreciation of the horse. But if you were going to sum up your philosophy around horses into a sentence or two, how would you do that? I would say every horse is different. And every horse every horse has a different personality. And, and what you do on one horse isn't necessarily going to work on the next. Having an open mind to what the horse needs and, and having... Letting that horse teach you in the same way that you're teaching him or her, I have to say, is the number one thing that I've learned with all my horses, and I continue to learn every time I throw a leg over one. I mm-hmm. love something about that horse and, and about what it takes that horse to reach its potential. Yep, yep. Okay. All right. Now, if people would like to contact you, Anthony, what's the best way to contact you? They can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, I have a fan page there as well, but on Instagram, Twitter, it's at SuperLucia33. So it's at S-U-P-R-Lucia, L-U-C-I-A, 33. Or type in Anthony Lucia, and I should pop up. I'm behind a cowboy hat holding a microphone or a mm-hmm. horse. Yep. Can't miss me. <laughs> okay. And well, uh, they can contact me through direct messages and, and whatever they need. All right. That's great. All right, brilliant talking to you today, Anthony. It's been really good. I've really enjoyed your philosophy. I think your story's been one with a difference, which is what we try and do, is uh, have people who are working within the horse industry who've got stories to give people inspiration that if they'd like to work within the horse industry or if they're working within the horse industry, that they can, um, you know, look to people like you and go, well, you've done it. You know, you put in the work and you achieve what you wanted to achieve. So, I think you're a great inspiration for everyone, so thank you. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for doing what you're doing by including the the industry and the knowledge about it, so I appreciate what you're doing. Okay, thank you, thank you. All right, Ron, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Can I get one final thought? Oh, absolutely. It'll be quick. Sure. Be thankful for the one beside you, be thankful Mm -hmm. for the God above you, and most of all, be thankful for the life before you. And thank you for your final thought. (laughs) 
Talk to you later then, Andrew. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 